We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted, the film show. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? I'm Cecilia, and I'm joined in the studio by Lewis and Rachel. Howdy, How are howdy, you? howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How is everybody today? Name that movie. I've done this to you before. Howdy, Sorry. howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Toy Story? Yes. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Which is uh, 27 years old or mm. older, potentially. Wow, it's, uh, it's pretty damn old. I, I come across a meme today and I, it's like, how old do you feel? And it was listing all the Disney movies. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think Toy Story was 27. Uh, a Bug's Life was about 23 or 25. And I then, never liked that one. Uh, nah, neither did I really. And then Finding Nemo was 19 or 20 or something like that. Oh, and geez, I was just Louise. like, my God, please don't make me feel old. Um, so Finding Nemo can drink in Australia? But not in the USA. That's right. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. So, yeah, what a way to... Give us an aqua velva. That's what he'd ask for. <laughs> an aqua I, I don't really... What's in an aqua velva? I have no idea. I've, so um, you're all aware I've watched the movie Zodiac like a bajillion times and Jake Gyllenhaal's character, the journalist, well, you know, the guy who wrote the book about Zodiac anyway, um, that was what he used to drink. Oh. It was an aqua velva. It sounds cool. <clears throat> I don't know what it is, but it it's sounds like a blue cool. cocktail of some sort. And Robert De Niro's character, De Niro, <laughs> friggin' hell, what's his name? Robert <gasps> Junior. Far out, Downey Junior. <laughs> Thank you. Who plays like the man, the, yes. the drunk um, journalist? Is like I can't ignore this anymore. What are you drinking? And he's like, Well, if you had one, you would not. You'd you'd agree. They're good. Oh. And then they get drunk on. These aqua velvas. Very cool. Uh, big show tonight, or fairly big show. Uh, we all went to the preview screening of A Knock at the Cabin, which is uh, M. Night Shyamalan's new film. Shyamalama Ding Dong. Shyamalama Ding Dong, uh, <laughs> however you like to say it. Um, I'm not taking the the piece out of him or anything. <laughs> it's just I mentioned to Arda that it's the only way I can remember how to say his name sometimes. I recall a couple of years ago I was at a New Year. I wish I still had the video. I don't have it, but I was at a New Year's party and we were playing Cards Against Humanity and uh, there was the M. Night Shyamalan card was pulled up and a friend of mine also said M. Night Shyamalan and ding dang. And the way they said it, we kind of distorted his voice to be like, really girly and oh. it was quite funny like the the balloon voice that you get but um i don't have that video anymore but oh. yeah so you're not the only one that uh refers to m night Shyamalan as uh, m night Shyamalan. ding a dong however you pronounce his name um that is officially out today so we'll yes. talk about that film uh we also have uh, we'll briefly re-mention the whale which is the film that lewis and i reviewed last week which is officially out this week but it aligned with the oscar nominations last week mm. so it felt appropriate to, yeah. to talk about um, given all the, the kind of controversy around it and also the, the good stuff around it as well. Uh, and then we've all seen a little bit of the, that 90s show. Yeah. Uh, along with a few other bits and pieces that we'll talk about. But um, I've been p- given permission um, to do a community announcement Ooh. to be careful with knives, people. Um, because my husband, it's a funny story. Is it funny though? (laughs) Well, so we try our best to recycle things properly. Right. And so as a result, Chris decided he needed to take the plastic bit off the top of the olive oil, um, to separate the glass from the plastic. Right. right? Um, but to do this, he used a knife. Mm -hmm. Um, he had a rather sharp knife in his hand and he's like, 
I shouldn't use that. I'll cut myself. So we put it down and got a serrated steak now knife out of the dishwasher and used that instead and cut himself. <laughs> so we ended up um, at Rockingham Hospital oh, no, on Sunday badly. night. Yeah. Well, yeah, it needed a stitch. Um, so it went right in between the webbing of the thumb and the finger. So it went right in there. Missed the tendons and everything, thankfully. But a nice jagged um, cut. Got a tetanus shot as well, you know. But we were there from like 8.15 to 2 a.m. basically. Oh, my God. I think because it's like, you know what, you're not going to keel over yeah. and die. So um, you can just sit there and wait. You wait. You need to wait. Just, just wait. We'll Which I get. Eventually. But um, I, I showed Cecilia some lovely pictures yesterday. So <laughs> I, I will happily share them with you if you are interested, Lewis. Thank you. Um, but just... Be aware, guys, because I think we've all done that. Like, mm. we've all tried to use a knife for something it shouldn't be used for and just, you know, hoped that it wouldn't turn and out that way. And what's the first thing you do when you do something like that? I don't know about you guys, but I go, I shouldn't do this. And then I still proceed to uh, do it yep. anyway. Yep, yep. You, you're just impulsively like, nah, I'll, I'll be, be fine. fine. What's um, the worst that could happen? Could cut my finger off, but it's okay. Exactly. So, look, you know, there's there's my two cents. But At least Chris knows now what's the worst that could happen. <laughs> you know, hours and hours and hours in the emergency room. Well, what was Bryce doing? Was he there as well? Yeah. So oh the funny God, thing the is people, people say people with ADHD are good in a crisis situation. I don't think this is true because, um, I basically Chris is like he looked at it and it was just pissing blood everywhere, and so he's holding onto it with his other hand to stop it from bleeding. Bryce has just got out of the shower, and I'm like, "Get dressed, you're going to Shannon's house," which is like our neighbour. Yeah. And um, then I'm madly trying to call Shannon to say, "You have to pick up Bryce. We have to go to the hospital." And you know, yelling at Bryce to get dressed, and Chris is like, um, "Can I have a rag or something?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, you are pissing blood. So, yeah, we'll get that sorted too. So it's a bit crazy. And then he's waiting in the car for me and he's like, what took you so long? And I'm like, I needed to pee. I didn't want to have to pee at the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) So the the, the moral of the story is uh, from now on, instead of trying to take the plastic bit off the bottle, you just smash the bottle and it just slides right off. Well, nothing could go wrong. Nothing could go wrong, go wrong at all in that no. case. No. Um, but we, we should move on to some... Some movie reviews. Well, actually, or before we do that, let's talk about that 70s, that, that 80s show. Yeah, the 90s show. Well, that 90s show. I just realised the original TV show, That 70s Show, mm. was in the year of my birth, was in the decade of my birth, mm-hmm. the 70s. But I wasn't really like, you know. You weren't participating I, in I the 70s. I didn't know much about the 70s. And then the 90s show, I was like, you know, bang up. I knew all about the 90s. Mm-hmm. But you were born in the 90s. So mm-hmm. you were kind of like me in the 90s as I was in the 70s. But I was like right dead in the 90s. So I was a teenager when mm. these guys were teenagers. Oh, true. So, so you're going to know more than me because I was still a very little child. You were a little baby. I was a little baby. Mm. Well, to be honest, I only watched two episodes because I was like, you know, this is very formulaic and the bits with Red and... Um, Kitty are very funny because those two characters are funny, but the rest of it is just like, ugh, I don't give two hoots about these people. So I stopped watching after two episodes. But you've finished the season, yeah, am I right? it was like 10 episodes. Hmm. It was like, and each episode's like 20 minutes long. So it's like not not a huge effort to, to finish it, which is great because I thought it gave you just enough, uh, you know, nostalgia mm-hmm. and also enough callbacks to the original show as well. Like having Red and Kitty there um, was, you know, in every episode is the, the grandparents now instead of the parents. Uh, that was a good good callback because that, you know, sets the, the scene for mm. what you remember. Mm. Um, obviously, we've got the new kids who are the, the sons and daughters of the, the, the former cast, but the former cast still pop in as well over the, the course of the season. And that's kind of cool when they, they come back into it. But they don't overplay their hand. They're just there to, you know, go, remember us? We were in the original thing. Um, so, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I, I hope they, they do a few more, um, you know, down the track. I think it was just, you know, it, it's a bit of a teething problem, like going from, you know, the original stuff to mm-hmm. this. 
but yeah, I, I kind of like the the transition from seventies to to nineties, and just seeing how they do things a little bit differently. Yeah, I think the nostalgia was there. I don't think I would have continued watching if yeah, Kitty and Red weren't part mm. of the show because I do mm. think they make it, and there's those callbacks. But I managed to get through the entire uh, ten episodes and quite enjoyed it. But uh, it did inspire me then to go back, and I'm now rewatching uh, that seventy show. Oh. Uh, which it was good. I've seen a couple of a handful of times from start to finish, but it's one of those shows that you can just put on and enjoy time and time again. Mm. Uh, as some of the stuff is a little bit, you know, incorrect and you know, PC wise, but uh, I think you know it, it's all good fun uh, and it's something really, yeah, it's a nice casual viewing experience. It, it is a good casual viewing, and I'm likely to finish it um, mm. just because it's good to have something mm. on in the background when I'm doing something else, so you can watch it and do something else at the same time and you don't need to fully connect. But, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what other little 90s things they bring in. But it was was kind of cool to see Ashton Kutcher and... um, uh, Miller Kunis come back in that second episode mm. and she's still yelling at him yeah. like My in God. the same it, same way. It's amazing <clears throat> like when she came in like playing Jackie yeah. and I was just like yeah, I've seen her play other roles and it's just like completely just night and day. Mm-hmm. So that, that character is just so unique compared mm-hmm. to everything else she's played. Well, it's funny you should say that because I, because I watched a couple of episodes of that, Netflix suggested a movie called The Luckiest Girl in the World. I think that's what oh, it's called. Yes. Um, and it came out last year and it's got Mila Kunis in it and it's um, basically she is sort of dealing with the fact that in the late 90s she was part of a a, a school shooting um, and her name got dragged through the mud and everything and she had quite a horrendous time um, prior to that that shooting. And, yeah, so she's kind of trying to live her life the best she can with all of that trauma still in the background mm-hmm. And then she's approached to do this documentary to, you know, clear her name and to tell her side of the story and tell her truth. Um, Did you watch that movie? I did watch it. Yeah, 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 I did. I kind of got pulled into it, to be honest. Me too. Yeah. So I started watching it and initially I was like, I don't think it... To be honest, I feel like it would have been better spread out over a miniseries because I felt there was a lot of things to deal with and they got brushed they got rushed over, I think. And then by the end of it, you almost feel like it's a bit of a, um, I don't know, a disappointing finish because mm-hmm. you feel like I wanted more of this relationship or more of, you know, this documentary thing or whatever. But with that said, Mila Kunis did a fantastic, amazing job. It was really, really well done. And there were um, a lot of scenes in there that can be quite triggering. So it was suggested um, that they should have had a trigger warning at the start of it there um, and a trigger warning for those who are listening now. There um, are obviously the scenes at the school, but there's also sexual assault in there as well and it's quite graphic. So and What was that called again? The Luckiest Girl in the World, I think it was called. It's interesting that we're talking about, you know, Mila Kunis as well because there was another film on Netflix that popped up from back in 2020 called Four Good Days. I was going to say that popped up yeah. but I didn't watch that. Um, it- we, we've got Glenn Close in there and it's um, a story about a mother and daughter's relationship. Mila Kunis plays uh, a drug addict who has been, you know, on heroin for, you know, 10 plus years and tries and tries again to become clean and and just never kind of succeeds, Mm. you know, fully. And then, yeah, she approaches her mum again, who's very reluctant to take her back in because she's been made these promises, you know, before. Yeah. But there's this drug that they can give you when you've been clean. You have to be clean for a certain number of days. No, it's a different type of drug, which um, they can... I'm not sure if it's the name of, I'm not sure how, if it is a real, I I assume it's a real drug, but they give it to you and it basically stops the, the urge, the addiction side of it. Uh. It, I think it makes you, yeah, there's like an addiction receptor or something like that. Um, They don't actually go into too many details, but you do have to be clean for a certain number of days, like the four days before they can give it to you. Because if they give it to you while you're on drugs, you can have um, this 
crazy withdrawal side effect mm. experience. So hence the title Four Good Days. Yeah. So four, it's about four good, four good days. Yeah. Mm. So it's about um, them kind of getting through those days and reconnecting as a mother daughter. So um, yeah, is, interesting film. But yeah, it seems a, to be. Is that one of the streams? That's it's Netflix. on Netflix as well. Mm. Okay, cool. So the luckiest girl in the world is is on Netflix. Yeah. The '90s show is on Netflix, and Four Good Days yeah. on Netflix yeah. as one, well. One, and that '70s <coughs> show you can uh, watch on Stan. Yeah. From start to finish. One of the, the uh, last films I met that night show I liked was how much more diverse it was than that '70s show. Mm. Like in that '70s show, Fez was the only diverse character. They mm. never said where he was from. It was always a, a mystery. Still is. Um, <laughs> but in this one, they had a, like a very diverse cast, and I think that uh, that's a good thing. That's yeah. what I like about the uh, the 2020s is diversity. I think it's. Um, I think when you watch something and there isn't diversity now, it. F- it's a bit of a smack in the face. Mm. Like you kind of recognise it and mm. it comes off as like that something is not right. It was so, disappointing yeah. not to see um, Hyde's character return. I think though, he, that's all. I think there was a bit of conflict potentially. Well, no, I think he's legally not a great dude. Oh. Is that that's um, uh, James, James Masters or whatever? Something Ma- Masterson. Masterson, yeah. Because yeah. he um, uh, is actually like a convicted sex offender. Oh, I yeah. Think. This I yeah. did not know. Yeah. yeah, there's reasons. There you go. There's, <laughs> there's clearly good reasons why, and I do apologise for bringing that up. I was completely unaware of those. I saw him at a, uh, a club in New York once. There did you? you? Mm, interesting. Yep. There you go. Well, we might take a break on that note and be back after this. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. What shall we jump Sorry, into next, team? Before we do that, we should retract because uh, we don't know who James Masterson is, but it was actually Danny Masterson that we were referring to on that 70s show. Uh, and, yeah, he wasn't on it because he is a bad man. Bad, bad man. And uh, he should never be heard from again. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, what, let's, um, let's talk... About uh, knock on the cabin. <laughs> For people listening, that was probably so bloody annoying. Um, but yeah, let's do. Holy moly! I'm so sorry. I don't know what's playing on my phone. <laughs> I thought it was the microphone making a funny noise. No, I was like, something's happening, and I don't know how to fix it. Uh, I've just got. Um, I'm an old man with too many things open on my phone. Um, sorry, that's a reference to Uncharted uh, that came was, out last. Fortunately, year. it was just something random that wasn't wasn't porn. Like it was, <laughs> that was really no, really was, uncomfortable for everyone. I was <laughs> watching something on SBS before I left here, so it was just a continuation of that. But yes, let's talk about. Uh, a knock at the cabin, which is out today. Um, who would like to synopsize that one? <sighs> I don't I'll, mind. I'll, I'll give it a crack. I'll go. I can give it a crack if you need. Well, I've, I've already I've already done it once oh, a day. Have I, you? Yeah, my well. See, a lot of people when it's a film that they don't think they're ever going to want to go and see, mm. will go just just tell me what it's, uh, tell me about it. And yep. so I was like trying to do a review for my uh, one of my bosses today, um, and I went, "Look, are you ever going to see this film?" He's like, "Oh, probably not." I think it's a horror film, and so I was like, "Fair enough." And so I gave him the full on like spoilerific review. It was um, after the uh, embargo, so I was allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but the uh, afterwards, you're like, man, I think I, I want to go and see this film, and uh, it was um, so. It's M Night Shyamalan's new film, and it is uh, when you hear the title "Knock at the Cabin," you're expecting a kind of horror film, aren't yep. you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least yep. it's horror when you say cabin, um, and then uh, when you see the trailer for it, it looks very much like a home invasion. <clears throat> Four people go to this cabin, they uh, ostensibly kidnap a family and then they give them an ultimatum uh, that the family uh, is made up of uh, two dads and a a daughter and they've got the choice, uh, they've got to choose between the three of them uh, which one of them has to die and then they have to kill them because they've got to do this to... Do something very special. Mm. <laughs> it's, I don't want to give it away. Um, I don't know if it's it a depends which trailer you watch because yeah. there are trailers that basically have the the whole bit where Le- uh, Dave Batista's mm. character Leonard lays it all all the information mm-hmm. down there for them and says basically you sacrifice one for the good of the all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a basic basically what it's about. Um, and then it's just you know, 90 minutes of tension building um, in in one 
basically one room, so it's almost like a play, and you've got the four characters who have come here to give them this ultimatum. You've got Dave Batista, um, uh, you've got Nikki Amuka Bird, Rupert Grint and Abby Quinn, and they all kind of have different personalities and they've all been drawn together because of something. Um and there's also flashbacks to uh, Eric and Andrew's life together and, and their adoption of their baby, Wynn. Um, and they, or oh, Wynn, sorry. And they are played by Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see their personalities mm. come out when they're given these ultimatums. It's, it's really interesting that, like, uh, Ben Aldridge <coughs> was also in Spoiler Alert... Um, playing the, uh, the, the the boyfriend in that as well. Oh, I was going to say, was he, I think he was the priest in Fleabag. Oh, yes, he was in uh, Fleabag as well, yeah. Um, I, I I was not, yeah. What is it, Celia? What, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I think it's important to preface as well that this is actually, is actually based on a horror novel um, called The Cabinet at the yeah. End of the World. And I think it's important because I think a lot of people are going to go in or some people will go in expecting this to be like a traditional M. Night Shyamalan written, directed piece with a with a massive, massive twist. Um, but I, I, I'm always going to say that nothing's ever going to live up to his movies, The Sixth Sense or Signs. Mm. I always think that, you know, he's kind of reached his peak with those two films. But I feel like it's almost unfair. We were talking about this with Artie compare, yesterday. Yeah. It's almost like... We don't do that to every other director. Mm. Why do we do that to M. Night Shyamalan? Is it because... The Sixth those, Sense was just so goddamn be, good. Because <laughs> the twist at the end of Sixth Sense was so mind-blowing and most people didn't see it coming? Nobody. If you tell me you've seen the... the if you knew the ending, no one knows the end. No one knew the ending. The, I mean, sure. Sure. Surely there were probably not. a couple of them. No. The thing, the thing I like about it, though, is that... No. Yeah, people say after, they, after they've done that... You can never do that again. Yeah, and yet there is a movie that, in the like in the recent past, did that exact thing. Mm. Uh, was that the ghost? Uh, no, no, it was. Um, oh God, see the thing is, I, I don't, now you're going to spoil that yeah, film. If I tell you what film it is, <laughs> ah, it kind of okay. Well, film. then let's not give that away. Then it's, oh. a, it's a Christmas film, though. I'll tell you that much. Ooh. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Look, I liked this film. I had, I actually really enjoyed it. It kind of pulled me in from the beginning, and I think the thing I like about it is it doesn't take long to get into things. It, yeah, it, things happen. It's an a hundred minute film. It's a perfect length film. It starts right at the beginning, and you know what you kind of set up for. And yep. it is interesting as you see the progress of these two characters who are put in this awful situation of you know picking someone to potentially sacrifice how their mind alters throughout the transition of this um you know when someone's put in a horrible situation like this how you how you can kind of yeah your thought process changes i was kind of like uh, when i came out of the film i was like i don't know how i felt feel about how the film wrapped up wrapped up mm-hmm. um i just uh like i, I came out of it just thinking oh, is, is that the right thing to do in this day and age i don't mm-hmm. know um but it was a uh, it's one of those things where I was, I was thinking about it and i i was there uh with with my mate lee and uh, we had a quick chat about it afterwards we were like, oh, did we like it did we not like it but it wasn't until this morning when i was describing it to my colleague and um i was like going hang on it was it really is like you know Diving into a, a lot of uh, you know philosophical philosophical concepts, mm. um, also you know uh, things about you know right and wrong and like you know, as I said sacrifice and um, it, it's you know it can be a bit biblical in a way mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things to unpack there, and I think that people are going to get a lot out of like multiple viewings of the film and also talking about it as well afterwards. Yeah. Um, if you're put in that position, like how would you, what would you do? Like how would you react? And um, the film, uh, it does evolve as the the, the film goes on because when these people come in and give them this ultimatum at the start, you're saying, well, these guys are nutbags. Yeah. But then like... Things you know, progress. The question, are they nutbags? Is it real? What's, what's, gonna, what's going on here? Yeah. And so, yeah, it was... It was I think it was very good filmmaking. Like mm. um, it was, 
Um, I, I think being an M. Night Shyamalan film, you're always just sitting there just going, oh, what's a twist going to be? See, I don't think I thought that. Um, I wasn't waiting for a twist and I think I think that's because he's been pigeonholed into that yeah. idea mm. of a twist. But the majority of his movies don't aren't like that. That's it's true, just yeah. there's been yeah. a few movies that had a twist in it and then he's just been pigeonholed. Mm. Um, I... I really liked this film and, I, and it's good that you mentioned that it's based on a short story, um, a novella. I don't know if it's a novella or, or a short story but um, because a lot of these kind of thrillers and, and you know, a lot of the movies that Stephen King has had made are based on some of his sh- short stories because a short story can really make a great movie mm. whereas it's very hard to develop a long-form fiction book into a movie because so much needs to be cut out Mm. and I I really enjoy the the tenseness that comes with having just one environment yeah and a certain amount of people and a reduced time frame I feel like there's a lot of elements in here that really speak to my own personal like the things that I'm really into and into writing about and stuff like that so from that element I was enjoying it from a a different point of view and it's interesting that I watched that and so the unit I'm doing now, the assignment that I have to do is to write like basically a part of a start a stage play and I'm like what is it about being on stage that makes just that has whatever it is has to be told on stage mm. and it's a movie kind of like that because, you know, there's a lot of tension in just a certain amount of characters and one scene and a short time span. And so I felt like it was almost like a learning thing for me. So maybe I enjoyed it on a different level. I think there will be a lot of people who don't think it's a very good movie, but I liked it. And, I mean, yes, there were elements of horror, so I probably, if you're not into horror, I don't know that you'd be into it. But with that said, a lot a lot of stuff happened off screen. Yeah. So um, I'm going to give this... Um, Four, ah, uh, four grasshoppers. God I was going to <laughs> <laughs> I knew it'd be an easy one, so I stole it. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to score this three and a half shower curtains. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to score this one three and a half. That window's way too small. <laughs> I it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Well done. Yes, I liked that answer. <laughs> Well, we'll be back talking about a few more movies and bits and pieces after this. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. But do you want to talk? While we're on the topic of kind of stage play, Mm. um, like things, should we cover it off the whale again briefly, Lewis? I was just going to say that just before we went on air. So Great minds think alike. Great minds think alike. Just because it kind of has a similar feel... Uh, to that, it's all kind of set in one setting. There's very minimal characters, uh, etc. But uh, this is a film that you and I spoke about, Lewis, last week, and we both spoke quite highly of this film. Uh, Brendan Fraser has obviously been nominated uh, for you know, best actor in this role. And it's a bit of a resurgence for him, which is great. Uh, but there's also been a little bit of controversy really? surrounding the film. And it, it comes down to its casting of Brendan Fraser for not particularly being an obese man and having to pad him up with a, a fat suit. What the heck do they want him to do? Like, exactly. eat death? I know. And then there's been that, um, you know, is it kind of perpetuating that stereotype of overweight people as well was one of those criticisms. But I think for the most part it's been really well received. Uh, but it is directed by Darren Aronofsky, uh, and it doesn't really feel like one of his films, though, I, I would say. It doesn't have the kind of same feel as, you know, Black Swan or Requiem for a Dream or Mother for that instance. Those are kind of, you know, quite, amb- you know, there's a lot of ambiguity with those films. And I felt like that wasn't necessarily the case with this one. But it is based on a stage play by Samuel D. Hunter, who uh, also wrote the screenplay for this film. So, you know, he's obviously been able to be really attached to his his work, mm. uh, which is great because he's been able to see it come to, you know, 
will transition to screen if you like. But yeah, it does feel like that play. It's, you know, one setting and it really centres on this online English teacher, uh, Charlie, who has really shut himself out from the outside world. Uh, He self-medicates with sessions of, you know, binge eating. And we kind of learn over the course of the film why he does this. And it's quite sad because he even shuts off from his, you know, uh, students uh, on screen. He does never has the camera on, um, you know, even when his food is delivered, he hides away, take the money, leave, and then he grabs his food from outside. So it's all a little bit sad. But over the course of a week, he receives visits from, you know, three individuals, his friend and caregiver, um, Liz, played by Hong Chow, who I cannot believe was also in the menu um, as that kind of crazy... Oh, is it the waitress yeah. that was like, yeah. yeah, cuckoo bananas? And then she plays this role. But then you've also got this young man played um, uh, named Thomas, played by Ty Simpkins. He's this missionary from this new life church and he really wants to save Charlie or at least oh, help God. him. Uh, and then Charlie's estranged 17-year-old daughter, Ellie, played by Sadie Sink, uh, tries... Well, comes back into his life. She's an absolute bitch. Mm. Oh. Um, but Charlie wants to mend his relationship with her. And, yeah, we kind of learn more about it. But I think it's quite a, a difficult film in some aspects to watch, particularly those uh, binge eating sessions. I think there's that real mental uh, side to that story. And I think it's still... The film never comes across uncaring in any way. Mm. I think, yeah, it's a real interesting psychological tap into someone's mind who has been through uh, through a lot. Um, and I really kind of empathised with, with the character. And I thought Brendan Fraser did an amazing job. And I think that, you know, despite the fact that he wears a fat suit, it's his performance alone that does the mm. talking. And, yeah, I think it's... Um, a really brilliant film, and uh, like the um, the makeup as well, like to the the fact that like they made this look so convincing because there are scenes where he's like you know shirtless mm. and you go it looks like a person who is morbidly obese. It's it was just like you know you wouldn't think that, that was you know just pretend. Um, and he did put on a lot of weight for into his face and mm-hmm. stuff like that for the role. So mm-hmm. it's not like he didn't like you know put on a lot of weight. And uh, a lot of actors do that where they gain weight and lose weight, and it's a very dangerous. You know, oh, yeah. I, I believe we've talked about it before, yeah, but yeah. Tom Tom Hanks has basically said that's why he's got diabetes. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, but he Brendan Fraser just did a, a, a sensational job, and it's it was a great story to tell because like there are people who are either you know addicted to food or they're in a situation like him where he's just so depressed and can't cope with the world that he's basically committing suicide very slowly by eating himself to death. Mm. And it's just, it's really sad. It was, uh, you know, it was great to see him try to reconnect with his family as well. And that was interesting because it was hiding away from people he didn't know, but people he knew that he let them into his life and, yeah. and he let them see the, the kind of condition he was in. Mm. Um, and it was just, it was great. It was, was originally a stage play, which I would love to know how they do it as a stage play because, like, that would be so uncomfortable for the actor wearing a massive yeah. suit like that for how, the duration of the play. But um, it was great. There were some scenes like where uh, they had a window in the background and the uh, you'd see a shadow walk past the window mm. and it gave that anticipation that someone was about to knock on the door and those kind of things. Very, you know, uh, traditional stagecrafty mm. kind of things. So I, I love the, the film. It, it's not a film you'll go back and, and watch it very often. It may be a one and done for most people. But if you want to see a masterclass in filmmaking – then, uh, you know, it was great acting, it was great directing, it was so simplistic. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And really kind of from heartbreaking. Really weird, yeah, <laughs> I know. Of that, but. I agree. I think it's one that I probably would never watch again, but um, absolutely brilliant. And we both scored it a five last week. Mm. So looking forward to see how uh, Brendan Fraser goes at the Oscars. But I think he's uh, seriously a shoe in for it. But that's just my opinion. I'm I'm just having a look at some of the shots of people who have played that character in plays and I'm like they look pretty convincingly like they've hired somebody who is overweight mm-hmm. um or obese or they've they've put some suit on them but it seems rather convincing. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah. 
Yeah, don't, 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 uh, I think that that looks a bit of makeup there. So, well, yeah. yeah, there is some yeah. makeup happening, but, um, you know, you're going to get that. Yeah. Brilliant film overall. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing how the Oscars um, play out. Uh, there's some, you know, interesting films and, and people up for nominations. So, there you go. I saw another film this week that doesn't come out till next week, but I'm going to talk about it now because I will not be in uh, next week. Uh, I've been uh, fringing it uh, and I've got two fringe shows I've got to see next week, so I will be doing that instead. No spoilers though, please. <laughs> no spoilers. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, the, the, that, the film is called Spoiler Alert. Um, the actual book, could you give me the title of the book? Um, it's I will on? research it for uh, you. Because... Um, the book is really it does give away more because just calling it spoiler alert, go, eh? why are you calling it spoiler alert? <laughs> but the book is spoiler alert hash uh, hi, spoiler alert hyphen something else. Oh, and um, okay. when we tell you what that is, it'll make more sense. So um, this, uh, did you guys see uh, the Big Sick? Yes, yes. Yeah. So this is for the director of the Big Sick. And I think he's decided that his career trajectory is to make uh, films uh, which are based on real-life events where people in relationships, uh, one of them gets sick. Oh. Um, and in the case of the big sick, it was they, uh, you know, they started their relationship, she fell into a coma, and then uh, he stayed with her until she came good and then they got together and they're married and having a good time. Um, uh, yeah, so did you want to know the title? So the title of the book is... Spoiler alert, the hero dies. So in this film, uh, you, you've got Jim Parsons playing Michael Osiello and Ben Aldridge, we've mentioned him once before on the show, uh, playing Kit Cowan. Now, in this movie, uh, Michael and uh, Kit have a relationship for 13 years um, and then Kit ends up getting cancer and then Kit dies. So that's where the spoiler alert comes from, is the okay. fact that this is a movie about uh, you know, Kit dying. This is a movie about people being in a long-term relationship and dealing with the death of their partner. Right. So if I saw this, I'd just spend two hours crying. Yeah, I'm no. kind of glad I didn't see this no, film. No, 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 no. You should, you should see this film because you won't... Because Sally Field's in it. Yeah. That's no, a reason enough. that's not enough for me. This <laughs> is the kind of... I can't, like... The, the conversation of death entirely is a turn-off for me. Well, now, the, the film um, is, like obviously at the start of it you know what's going to happen you know that you know kid is going to die it's all about the journey and how they get there um and it's it's brilliantly performed by jim parsons and ben aldrich just sensational like they're believable that these two guys meet and become a couple and stay together for you know 13 years and like any couple have have troubles and Mm. and so try to deal with those, those troubles um but the uh, it's it is emotional, and there is like you, you do get to the end of this film, and you are like Cat and I are both concerned. Like there's one thing to ha- shed a tear in a film, mm. like you just go, oh, there's a bit of a tear there. there. But am I going to bore my eyes to, to do like your blubbery kind of sobby kind of? Oh my god, and, like that one. I don't know if, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that, I've what? done that a few times. Oh my god, like, when I get when I get really. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that'd be me in this movie. I don't know that yeah. I can watch it in in public. When I get really, when you get really sad, I make this honking noise. So yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> honking noise. Honking noise. Honking. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to laugh at your crying. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, the 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 um the movie is great. There, it's uh, it, the, 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 there's a scene which is just so emotional and like I defy if there was a dry eye in that room, you were a psychopath because <laughs> yeah. it was it's like seriously they 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 pulled those, those emotions strings like oh it was like it was something like a pulling a horse just pulling the reins mm-hmm. and then the emotional strings and um the um that it was great they they did this thing and then they just broke it they just like you, you everyone was on the verge of like stupid sad honking crying and and then they just did a thing that broke it and it's just was, well, that is impressive filmmaking mm. uh and so during the uh, the film, because uh, Michael Osiello is a film, a TV writer, so he's like he's obsessed with television, and he kind of looks at his life through the lens of television. And so, while you've got the uh, the real life stuff happening, uh, they do flashbacks of his childhood and his time with his mum, but they uh, broach it as a sitcom. Yeah. And so there's a, a kid playing uh, young Michael, uh, who is a, a larger lad. 
because uh, one of uh, Michael's things is that he he grew up uh, with uh, you know weight issues, and uh, so he's still got that kind of stuff going into his adult life, um, which is weird. I just uh, you know Jim Jim passes. You look at him and you that guy's never been anything other than a stick his whole life. But but I let that slide and I go okay cool fine. He was a he was a kid that would, was a bit overweight. Um, so you, you get to see that as mm-hmm. well. So it, it's really uh, a really well put together film. Really. Uh, emotional um, but it's great like seeing you know relationships played out on the screen and not being like the traditional kind of rom-com kind of a relationship because mm. um, you can't like a more realistic version of a re- relationship yeah, yeah. But you can't call this film like a rom com um, it's not like played for laughs there are there are levity and Things like that in the they'd, movie. They'd have to be, otherwise oh, yeah. it, you'd never get through it. Yeah, mm. but it's it was great, so good, and uh, I, I recommend people go and see this. Even this, even the the crying part is kind of cathartic because I, I don't know if you guys. I, I'm not a person who cries generally speaking in life. Mate, um, I cry all the time. Yeah. You show me an ad that's a Once little bit a week poignant. at least, yeah. like. Oh dear! Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was quite cathartic. Cat was like, "Have you got any tissues?" Oh yes. Oh, there you go. poor. Uh, but, Just can't. I don't know if I could do it in public. Honestly, you know, you know when you go to, go to a film. Uh, well, I shouldn't say when <clears> we go to film previews. Uh, generally speaking, that the, these days there'll be like some popcorn and maybe mm-hmm. some water or a drink or something like that um, that you grab on the way in. Um, I, I think for this film, they really should have a table set up, which was just like you know packs of Kleenex. <laughs> like, yeah. So you walk in, you, just, you will need this. Legit. Yeah. Because I, 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 when we watched The Whale, that's an emotional film, but I don't think I actually shed a tear. I shed a tear. Oh, but no. the most I've ever done, like the <laughs> crying, is in two films. Um, one was Only the Brave, which was Jeff Bridges as a firefighter mm. based on a true story. And then the second one was... Um, Oh, when a star is born with Lady Gaga at the end oh. where she's crying. And I think it was because I had just gotten out of, I had just broken up with someone I had oh. been dating. And I think that that affected me. Because, so, I, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> like, it was so emotional. But I remember, like, leaving the cinema and, like, trying to, like, do this. I, I've probably cried in so many movies that I wouldn't be able to pinpoint which ones they were. Those are just the two that I've done, like, the ridiculous cry. I, and, like, I, I was trying to stop myself and, like, <gasps> like almost having a heart attack. Yeah. I, I, um, I do remember seeing Atonement with my mum oh. and we walked out of that movie and she went to ask, she asked my opinion on it and I went... I went to tell her and I'm like, I can't talk. <laughs> like, because I just was going to bawl my eyes out because I just thought about Bryony living her whole life mm. filled with that guilt, oh. that guilt of ruining her sister's life and her, that, yeah, and the truth of what really happened. If you've never seen Atonement, do yourself oh, a favour. It's a brilliant Where have you been, job. mate? Oh, well, just for the library sex scene alone. Thank you very much. James McAvoy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We might take it. Wait, 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 wait. I haven't scored the oh, film. Oh, please do. You oh, yeah. guys jump at the gun in there. It's Sorry. Like, I'm trying to keep us on track. Come on, guys. We've uh, only got 15. Well, yeah. So, uh, Spoiler is a fantastic film. Uh, um, tickets are probably on sale now. Buy your tickets now for next Thursday. Um, I am going to give this one five. Five full Smurfs. Five full Smurfs. Five full Smurfs. Well, now I have to see it and to find go, out what that means. When you go and see this film you will understand why I, I said five Smurfs and five is clearly not enough once you've seen this film. We'll be right. Back. Did you know that Fremantle has its very own art house cinema? You'll find Luna on Essex, midway along Essex Street in the heart of Fremantle, screening an incredible variety of niche, foreign language and quality mainstream films in comfortable and intimate surrounds. It feels more like your own home movie theatre rather than a cinema. Catch up with friends for a pre-show drink in the fully licensed Alfresco area or enjoy a glass of wine and a cheese platter during the movie. Check out what's on along with details of forthcoming films, festivals and added value events at lunapalace.com.au. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Um, We are back for more. Yes, we are. Thank you for that little jingle. I could just... Do that jingle and put it somewhere and then we can play it every now and again. <laughs> we could. 
Or not. Um, <laughs> I'd embrace it. You know I would. I love a bit of a sing a sing song. I do it all the time on the show. I'm not a very good singer, but... Um, you people... <laughs> how dare you? How, how dare you? How dare you say that about us? I'm not. Is the new movie on Netflix. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, what are you saying? You people. I said, I'm talking, I'm criticising myself. Anyway, please go uh, on. So, you people has just come out on Netflix, I think, January the 27th. Um, it is Jonah Hill, um, written by Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris. And Kenya Barris also directed this film. His name might be familiar if you ever watched a little TV series called Blackish. He created that. So um, this this film is kind of the unofficial remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. So Jonah Hill plays a mid-30s um, man who has come from a very Jewish family, um, very well-to-do West Hollywood, fair bit of money kind of family. And... <clears throat> He meets this lovely black lady called Amira and they fall in love. Um, this all happens very quickly and he's like, well, let's let's get married. And she's like, yeah, let's do it, but let's see how the parents react. <laughs> so her father is brilliantly played by Eddie Murphy. His, his character's name is Akbar and he is a... Um, I don't know how recently, but he's a... a has he's trans? Hmm, what's the the word? Converted. Thank you. Thanks, he's converted right. to um, oh, far out. Muslim. He's Thank you. Muslim. Thank you. Oh my god, the wording is just not in my vocabulary today. English is hard. English is hard. English is hard today. Um, you speak word good. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's so he's quite. Um, militaristic kind of about his ideas of uh, Black Lives Matter and, you know, how the white man is putting me down and, like, I mean, a lot of the stuff he says is true but, um, you know, Jonah Hill is a nice guy. So it doesn't necessarily mean that him and his family are like that. However, when the families get together... Um, Jonah Hill's character, uh, parents played by Julia Louise Dreyfus and um, David Duchovny, they say all these little microaggressions that they don't realise that they're saying and as someone, as a viewer watching it, it's obvious to us that why why would you say that? Um, Shut your mouth. Please (laughs) stop talking. Um, So there's a lot of moments in this where there is a lot of awkwardness because Jonah Hill's character Ezra just wants them to shut up because they're just making things worse. So you've got them doing that and then you've got Eddie Murphy's character being like the complete opposite of that end and being really like, you know, these white people, you people. Mm. That's why it's called you people because you've got two two families that have got completely different ideas. But the thing is... You know, his Jewish parents are not racist. They don't realise that the things that they're saying are ridiculous um, and, you know, they need to rethink how they talk and rethink how they think. Um, And Eddie Murphy, his character, has just, you know, gone a bit far with with some of the things that he's saying as well and not accepting people at face value. Mm. But anyway, it's a comedy. Um, (laughs) um, It's... It's a comedy with heart, you know, it's one of those things. And I think there were elements of the film that I thought were a bit like, uh, I don't know, a bit silly or not not played out very well. Or It's not the perfect film. What I did enjoy was seeing Eddie Murphy on screen doing something that was back to what I remember him doing, like comedy with a little bit of political mm. conversation in there at the same time. So... Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing him on the screen and he's not aged at all. I don't, Paul, I don't understand. He's got yeah. 50 children. We've spoken about Paul Rudd and Paul Rudd never ageing, but my God, Eddie Murphy. Like, Honestly. Jonah Hill looks older than Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Oh, I tell <laughs> you. Look at him. I, I enjoyed having Jonah Hill as the, the romantic lead as well. Please mm. let, let us have some more diversity yeah. in the romantic leads. We don't all look like George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Thank I've, you. I've always heard the, I've heard the phrase <laughs> black don't crack and he is the, the, the 
the, the proof of that. <laughs> yeah, see, that's something that Shelley would have said. <laughs> Shelley is Jonah Hill's parent. I thought about it on the drive here and I'm like, do I, am I allowed to say blacks don't, black don't crack? Well, I think it's a compliment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's like the only people I've ever heard really say that is black people because they're like, we don't age. Yeah, well, mm. yeah. Well, this is the thing I say about myself. People are like, oh, my gosh, you look so young. And I'm like, yeah, fat don't crack. <laughs> so I'm allowed to say it. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd like somebody else saying it about me, but that is why I look so youthful. All the fat just pushes the wrinkles off my face. <laughs> um, anyway, this is on Netflix at the moment. Um it is an interesting look at um, the diversity issues and the Black Lives Matter matter issues, and the the what would you call it? The complete opposites that people are living in mm. in the states at the moment. So it's a real good piece of you know art for people to watch and go, wow, things are really full on there. So. Awesome. What are you going to score this film? I'm going to give it three and a half podcasts. Ooh, three and a half. Is, uh, is one of them a podcaster perhaps? Yes. Oh. Yes, they are. I would give it a watch, honestly. I will give it a watch. Yeah. I, I liked it. Um, but we've probably got to wrap it up, so I won't talk about the other things I had on the list. We've got about a minute left, so if you want to briefly mention. I, I watched Bo... Is Afraid, the trailer, which oh is the my new gosh. Ari, Ari Aster. Mm. And after watching that, I was like, I really got to watch Midsommar or Midsummer. Oh, my God. That Have movie you, you is effed up. Oh, my God. It's so traumatising. So effed up. It's so traumatic. I, I can never watch it's this film. It's insane. Mm. Like, good insane, but insane. Like, it's good insane. legit insane. But I could never watch this again. Nah. Nah, mate. Never. Hell no. No. Hell to the <laughs> no. Um, I also watched Mr. Harrison's Phone, which was a movie that came out last year, which had um, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's dad, Donald, in it. And it's it's a Stephen King um short story that they've put into, hence why I mentioned it before, that they've made into a movie. So basically the guy dies, he gets buried with his phone and then his phone starts, you know, this kid starts getting phone calls and text messages and stuff. Twilight Zone episode similar to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting. Mm, Very interesting. And it's interesting that his son, um, Joe, I don't know who he goes by. Um, but he did the black phone. Oh, it's so funny. I literally only learnt this this week. This week because I'm reading a Stephen King book, um, you know, Stephen King on writing, so Mm. it's a little bit of a memoir and a little bit – and he talks about his son Joe and I'm like, I wonder if Joe's doing anything. And I tapped on, I'm like – oh, he wrote Lock and Key or whatever that yep. thing is. He wrote Black Phone and, okay, he's a prolific writer and, and getting into movies he as well. He just doesn't go by the name King, which I think no. is um, a really good choice in yes. this because people are just going to associate him with Stephen King exactly. and give it a go, but he's been able to make a name for himself. Joe Hill, I think jo- he goes yes, by. Yes, Joe Hill. Mm. Um there you go. Well, Crazy. Nice tie-in. Synchronicity. Nice we got to go. We got to go. Lewis. Yes. You, did you have something to say? You put your hand up. No, I didn't. No. Oh. No, no, I was, um, sorry, I was... He was dancing. Oh, sorry. All right, guys. We'll be back next <laughs> week. Well, Rachel and I will be, and Lewis, you'll be fringing. I'll be fringing. Fringing. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.